Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. pray for us this morning. God, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for the testimony of worship and song that speaks to our soul in a unique way that is a story of pain and grief, but also hope passed down through generations that continues to speak to a new generation. May we be a part of the continuing cascading grace of your kingdom cascading from generation to generation that we've received, and may we be a part of pouring that forth. Lead us in this way today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, here's what I want to start with this morning. So fans of The Office in here? Anybody watch The Office? Remember The Office? Parks and Rec? Uh, you know, a few of those type shows, you know, starting with The Office, really, it started kind of a revolution in TV where it wasn't like watching Cheers or Friends or these uh, other comedies or, or sitcoms where you kind of had multiple cameras in a set. It was a one camera that followed like they were a documentary crew around, you know, and that's really how those are set up with interviews, like they're filming a documentary. If you remember the end of The Office, it ended with the conclusion of the documentary, and we had all forgot it was a documentary in the first place, those of us who who watched it. So if you were the subject of a documentary, I know that's a ridiculous proposition, right? No one's going to have a documentary about our lives, but let's just assume for a fact that they are. And that there was a camera crew that followed you around every hour of your life, right? Every waking hour and some of your sleeping hours. And, and if they were documenting you at home and, and you with family and you with friends and you at work and you kind of wherever you are in your day and they were interviewing you, you know, what do you think about this? What do you believe about this? What's important to you? And doing an in-depth interview and they were getting your friends and family and asking them all sort of penetrating questions about your life and who you are. And then they delved into your bank accounts. How do you spend your money and your credit card statements that came in and, and your browser history. And they just did, got a deep dive in your life. And they were answering one question after we added all of that up for months. What do you love? Not just what do you, what's like the prime love, the first love, that core love, which is another way of act, asking like, what do you worship practically? Not what do you say you do, but practically when your life is added up, what do you worship? What do you love? What would that crew find? What would they report on in your life? Well, that's a, scary question. <laughs> it is for me. I don't know about you. Maybe you're real confident in it. Let's talk later. Uh, I think for most of us, we wonder, would who we say we are, who we hope to be, who be the same person they would report on? And if you're like me, and if you're human, you, you can think of things and think of people that might be visited with or things that you've said or done even in the last few days where you're like, oh man, that, that wouldn't really add up with who I would hope I would be or want to be. It's a scary question. 
few years ago in my first church where I was pastor. Um, we were having some difficult times in our little church. It's a wonderful church, but it might surprise you to know, occasionally people are upset with the pastor about things in church and occasionally, not in this church, I'm sure, but uh, you know, people get upset. People want things done differently or any number of things. And there was uh, one particular couple that was pretty upset with me and the way the church was going. And so I went to visit with them and people have disagreements all the time, theological differences and methodology, methodological differences and it's any number of things that can happen. And 95% of the time, those things can be worked through if we're uh, working together. And we talked through some of them in their home for quite some time. And, and then it came down kind of to it. And, and they said, well, Matt, here's what it comes down to. We know you love your family. That's obvious. Thank you. We know you love the Baylor Bears. You talk about it a lot, okay? We're just not sure and really don't think you're called to ministry or believe this. <laughs> I mean, punch to the gut. Been there five years. I've done funerals for this family. I, I helped them at their 50th wedding celebration. I had been to the hospital multiple times when they had had surgeries. We had literally been in hundreds of Bible studies, prayer gatherings, ministry meetings. We had served on mission together in multiple locations. I mean, we knew each other. I may have disagreed with them, but it was a gut check. What messaging was I putting out there to the world? What was being observed in me? And we all have that deep, deep fear that we are a fraud, that, that we are not who we hope we seem, that any doubt that I had about my calling or my, my faith, it all came to the surface in this moment. And, and we had a, you know, ending of that conversation. That's another story for another day. And I had to go to my wife and I had to go to some key leaders and friends in the church. And I had to go to some mentors and say, this is what's happening. I had to go to a counselor and say, help me line this up. And, and, and it was awful. Now, all of them were, were clear in saying, I think they're wrong. <laughs> Are you perfect? No. But yes, you were called to this. And, and, and that was uh, uh, resounded within my own soul that, no, that rang false. There are things I need to work on, but, but they are not right in that. But it's a scary question. If our life is added up, what does it add up to? What, what messaging is coming out of that? Um, and that's what I want to visit about today. I want to call that to question. We're finishing our series on the life of the redeemed, the call of the way of the redeemed. That's it. I've been preaching on it for weeks. Seemed like I would remember that. The way of the redeemed, where we're talking about the calling of following Jesus as compared with the other callings that are in our life, the other uh, temptations, the other things that vie for our love and our worship and, and our affection. And so we talked about forgiveness. The way of the redeemed is forgiveness over condemnation. Um, and we have this forgiveness. We have grace, grace over fear, grace over anxiety. Uh, we have unmerited favor of God that is poured out in our life. And that that is what we're called to accept and called to show to others. And last week we talked about the way of love, that it is the stamp, the mark, the tattoo that we should have on our forehead. Everything that we do should be seeking to receive love as Christ defined it and to extend that love, give that love out into the world. And today we talk about Christ over all. 
over all of those things is Jesus Christ. And as Christians, it is the, the love of Christ, the person of Christ, the gospel of Christ that saves, that redeems, that should be at the absolute core and center of our life. Now, we, we struggle with it. We fear it's that, that hard question that we need to answer and we need some self-reflection on. Um, and that's what we're talking about. Christ over all, Christ in all, Christ as the core of our life, not out there on the edge. Paul talks about this in Romans 6. If you got your, your Bibles and want to read what we're talking about this morning, uh, the last half of Romans 6, starting in Romans 6, 16. And uh, Paul's using some language here that's a little problematic for us. He talks about slavery a lot and, and talks about really using a positive metaphor for slavery. Now, to talk about slavery in Paul's day and to talk about slavery today are two very different things. It hits a little different for us to hear slavery used somewhat casually as a metaphor for us. And it doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it anyway, that uh, the Bible does not condone slavery as it's been experienced in our, in our uh, land, in our country, and in the modern world where slavery is still still a pan pandemic uh, across the world. Um, it is not right to own or, or allow, stand by why other uh, human beings are enslaved. But what Paul is doing here, and if, and if Paul, this is dangerous, but if Paul were writing today, he would likely use a little different metaphor here. But he's writing in a time when, when slavery was a fairly common thing and was much closer um, to being a servant for, than it is slavery as we understand it. I'm not going to get all into that. If you want to visit about sort of the biblical witness of slavery, I'm happy to have coffee and dive into that. But that's not really what we're here to do today. I bring that up only to say the metaphor is a little problematic, right? But I hope we can put some of our, our problems with the word aside and, and look at what Paul's meaning is and the metaphor he's trying to extend. What Paul says here in Romans 6 is that uh, we're all slaves to something. And what he means by that is we all have, have something that takes our attention, it takes our time, it takes our money, it takes our focus, and really it takes our love or our worship. So if you added up your life and you really said, what do I talk about all the time? What do I think about all the time? Like, you know, like, I haven't had lunch today, so I'm thinking about lunch, right? You know, we have things that we think about all the time and obsess over that we go to sleep thinking about and wake up thinking about. I spend my time on it. I talk with my friends about it. I spend my, my money on it. Um, what is that in your life? That is what you are, a, a, in Paul's metaphor, a slave to. We might, you know, maybe some more helpful language would be like the language of binding. Like we're bound to this. We're inextricably linked to this. We have voluntarily committed our way to this. And he said, everybody has something that you are a slave to, that you are bound to, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And for many of us, it's unintentional. There are patterns of living that we get in. We were raised a certain way. We we're brought up in a certain place. We have certain habits, whatever it may be. And we don't even recognize that this is really what we spend all of our time and energy and resources doing. And some of these things are good things. Some of these things are very, very destructive things. Paul's talking to a group of believers, Christians, who were also Jewish, 
And so he's talking to them and he says, you previously, before you knew Christ, you were a slave to the law. You were a slave to the 10 commandments and all the other, however many 114 something laws, uh, several hundred laws that were there. And that was what righteousness was. That's what following God was. You, you followed these things and that's how you knew if you were in or you were out. But he said, that was the way of death because there's there was no way to complete that. There was no way to be good enough to get to God that way. That's why Jesus has come. And he said once, so, so he, I think if you're writing today to us, he would use something different. He, who knows what he would use, but he would say, before you knew Christ, you were a slave to something. You were giving your worship to something. You, were, you were, had all of your money and time and attention and focus and love on something that may have been a decent thing or it may have been a really destructive thing. But now you know Jesus. And Jesus has freed you from that way and set up a different way for you to live. And, and, and you know, freedom is a funny thing. My kids talk all the time and tell me it's a free country. You know, have you, kids ever said this, right? Not in my house, right? <laughs> That's kind of my response. Technically, you're correct. Not in the way you think you are. Go clean your room, you know, or go wash the dishes or just please stop talking for a little bit. I need some quiet. Uh, free country doesn't fly. Yes, we live in a, a free country overall, but there's laws, there's regulations, right? If you don't pay your taxes next month, you can't say, yeah, it's free country. Sorry, Uncle Sam, this didn't really feel like, no. None of us are truly free as in completely unencumbered. Uh, there are a few people in the world, there's pockets of the world that kind of want to act like they are truly free, that they've sort of thrown off the encumbrance of certain culture or religion or society or whatever it is. And it's just fool's talk. We were all raised in a certain way. We were all raised in a certain place. We are all look the way we look, right? We've all had the experiences we've had or, or training or education, like good experiences, bad experiences. That stuff forms us and shapes us. And so we are in many ways uh, uh, bound to our past in good ways and in bad ways. None of us are, are truly free, it's just not reality. Um, so Paul says, whatever you were before Christ, good, bad, or otherwise, it, it, if it wasn't in Christ, it wasn't leading to life. It wasn't leading to salvation. It, it wasn't leading to the fullness of who God wants you to be. Now you're in Christ and so you're free, but you're not free to do anything you want. What we choose now, again, the metaphor you choose to be a slave to the ways of Christ. Now that's language, but maybe better, um, Paul says otherwise, other places. In our language, say, you're free to bind yourself to Christ. Choose that which leads to life. Choose that which leads to salvation. Choose that which best and bind yourself to that. You're gonna be bound to something. It might as well be the best thing that we could bind ourselves to. In other places, Paul says, abide in Christ, which is, you know, to remain in Christ, stick to Christ. If you're going to stick to something, stick to Jesus and the way of Jesus. And in other places, we have other metaphors we might draw from, but you're going to be bound to something. 
You're going to use your mind and attention and your worship and your love and your affection and your money and everything else on something. Why not do it on the things that lead to life and lead to life eternal, life in the full, here and now, seeking shalom in our life? Christ over all. Christ should be the center, the core on which we build everything else in life. Now, there's limitless things, a myriad of things that come up in life that want to take the place of Christ in the middle of our life. And some of those are very destructive and very hard and, and very obvious, right? That maybe those shouldn't be in our life at the core. Uh, and then others, those are kind of sneaky. They seem like good things. I mean, uh, we, we battle greed. I mean, the, the relentless desire for more. Have you ever felt that, right? Like in eating, which we would call gluttony, greed, or in your finances and any number of things. You, you just wanted more. And, and you weren't really sure what more would get you. Would it make you happier? Would it make you more faithful? Would it make you more secure? You, you, you just wanted more. You lusted for more. You ever had like the new iPhone or like the new game, something come out and yours is fine. But as soon as the new is out, you wanted the more, you wanted the new, you couldn't even articulate why it made no common sense. And yet that was there. That need for more can be at the core of us. And the path is only unhappiness, right? Many of us here have fight, fought addiction in our lives to addiction, to alcohol, to drugs, to, to pornography, to any number of things, public and private And our world can, can shrink to that. And, and we know we need another way. It can supplant Jesus in our life when that takes the primary thing in our life. Anger can come in. We've been hurt and anger can shove out so much goodness and just be at our heart and eat away at our lives. We could go on and on of the things that creep into our lives that take Jesus from the center and move him either out or just over to the edge. And then there's, there's good things. I mean, our, our kids, parents, for those of you who are parents, like our kids or our spouse, we can worship them sometimes, which husbands and wives are laughing at that right now. But I mean, we literally, right, are enslaved to our kids. <laughs> I mean, emotionally, contractually, legally, uh, you can't just leave them. They are there. They need your care. They need your love. They need this. And when we're with them, we're thinking about them. And when we're not with them, we're thinking about them. And they, regardless of where they are in life or where they are physically, they're on our minds, they're on our hearts. They are our heart so easily and that's good right that's a good thing but we can so focus on our kids or our family sometimes friends even our church that that we're not serving Jesus by loving them we're just loving them and we've moved Jesus out to the side that seems that's a good thing loving them we, we could go on with others others like this of seemingly good things work can be this uh, we can so focus on our, our work, our career, and doing good work in the world that, that it kind of shoves everything else aside. Even serving our church sometimes can be this. We can so focus on serving others and doing good in the world or serving our church that, that we actually aren't following Jesus. We, we, we're serving an organization, but not with the Lord in the middle of it. It's tricky, friends. And let me tell you, none of us have this down perfectly. 
It's a lifelong struggle to keep Jesus in the middle of this. Just when we think we're doing okay, we might have it down. Something's going to change in life and provide a new struggle for this. This is a constant lifelong challenge and calling to keep Christ as the core of our life. Christ over all, over everything else. And what happens for all of the things that we love, boy, you put one of those in the middle that's wrong. And what we find over time is everything else gets out of whack. You know, it just, it's all a little chaotic and none of it really fits just right. When we put Christ first and put Christ in the middle of our life, that foundation on which we build, everything else falls into line a little better. It doesn't mean we don't have struggles. It doesn't mean we don't have stress and it doesn't mean we're perfect. But if we serve Christ first, we learn how to be better parents because Christ empowers us to do so. We learn how to teach our kids well, how to serve him and how to serve the world because we're serving him first. You love them enough to love Jesus first. We, we become better spouses. We become better friends. We become uh, better at work, maybe not more productive, you know, work isn't all about production. There's a wholeness to that, right? Of how do we live in a rhythm that, that, that lives forever, that blesses others, that, that extends on out. We become healthier people when our loves are arranged in order with Jesus at the front, Jesus at the core, Jesus at the foundation. We're seeking shalom or wholeness in our life. And there is this mystery of following Jesus to live the fullest life. In other places, Paul, the slavery metaphor is kind of negative, right? I mean, it's kind of a negative way of looking at it. Paul has other ways where he talks about the life of Christ is life abundant. It's life to the full. It's the way following Christ, to use his metaphor, enslaving ourselves to Jesus is the way to have life to the fullest, the, the best life that we could have for us to be the, the people God dreams for us to be is ironically not by doing anything we want, but by enslaving ourselves to the way of Christ committing ourselves to the way of Christ first as the core of our life on which everything else is built. That's how we have life and have it to the full. It's interesting to wrap up this series in a little neat bow. To think about if we enslave ourselves to Christ, what is the content of that enslavement? If we're going to bind ourselves to Christ, to what exactly are we binding ourselves? That's fine as a concept, but what does it mean? What it means is, if I enslave myself to Christ, bind myself to the way of Jesus, abide with Jesus and stick with him no matter what, what I'm sticking with is a person, yes, but it is forgiveness. So when I don't do this perfectly, and I will not do this perfectly, we will not do this perfectly. Some of us won't even do it well very often, but that doesn't matter. If we stick to the way of Jesus, there is limitless forgiveness for us. That we say, Jesus, I messed it up again. I moved you out and I put something else again. And he says, my son, my daughter, it's okay. I forgive you. 
Give it another go. I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. We're enslaving ourselves to grace that God won't beat us up, that God loves us, that God is giving us unmerited favor over and over again. We're enslaving, binding ourselves to this, that grace is the way the world works in the kingdom of God. We're, we're enslaving or binding ourselves to the love of God as Christ defined it. This love that is serving others before serving ourselves. This love that rains down and is meant to be going out. Y'all, if I have to have a master... If I have to bind myself to something, let it be a master who deals in grace and forgiveness and love as the content of serving him. This is what we serve with our life. So if the documentary team is writing your life, what is the content of that life? We had a funeral up at Mulberry yesterday of a man named J.L. Cottenham. Many of you know him, knew him. I didn't have a chance. I met him once, but he was in the nursing home the last couple days of life. We weren't able to visit. Um, Karen and I went and visited him one day. 92 years old, been a member of this church since 1960. A life deacon, served this church in any number of ways. And it's a beautiful funeral. Each of his, both of his kids and three grandkids spoke, and it was fascinating. I'm sure he didn't do everything perfectly in life. I'm sure he was a dad like the rest of us, that we have some short tempers and some high expectations and don't always speak as calmly and lovingly and everything else as we should do. But each of his kids said, and his grandkids, when JL passed away, I thought of this verse, or I thought of that verse. He had loved them such over time that when he passed away, his story was here. He had been Jesus to them. Scripture had come alive to them through his life. We are each going to have a funeral one day. <laughs> and people will speak for us. Now, thank goodness that's not today. So it means we have a chance to, to continue to write that story. And some of us are thinking, boy, I got I to gotta rewrite some things. <laughs> There's some forgiveness. There's, and some of us are thinking, I, I should talk with my kid. You know, I left his funeral yesterday wanting to love my kids better. What a testimony to Jesus at work in a man. If the documentary crew reported on your life. What would you love? Self-reflection is key. Do you think it would line up with who you hope you are, who you want to be? Or, or do you know right now it wouldn't, but by the grace of God, you're now on a different path? And you say, if God gives me some more time, that story is going to look different than it does today. Let's all live in hope that we're writing a story we're sending out a witness and a message to the world that the world is receiving. We're all worshiping something. May it be the God who leads to life. Let me pray for us. God, you major in forgiveness, mercy, and love. This is the truth of who you are. This is the content of salvation. 
And you ask us, you call us to receive it and to give it as well. In this moment, help us to receive it. Help us to be honest with ourselves and with those closest to us about the story of our life up to, you know, March 26, 2023. Help us deal with the hope of who we long to be and who we hope you're creating us to be. Help us to live for you. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Hellmeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.